0: Hello, Mark Siden. How are you? Good. How are you today? Good. I'm so excited to talk to you. So, guys, this is Mark over at the real estate team, um, Mark Siden, and he's always turning goals into reality.
1: (laughs) That's Um, my job.
0: And him and his amazing team um, doing what they love every day. And uh, this is the second series of podcasts, kind of getting the insight um, with Mark's perspective on everything in real estate. And there's a really amazing topic we're going to dive into today. So I think we've all been through this. If not, maybe we will in the near future. It's about bidding wars and how it's handled. And so this is such an interesting topic, and I'm so excited, Mark, that you're going to share all the ins and outs of how one would handle bidding wars. What does that look like? A lot of us don't know. We just know it exists. Right. So, my dear, get into it. <laughs> tell, us, tell us all about how this all works.
1: Sure. So a couple of years ago, you know, bidding wars were only occasional. And bidding war just has such a horrible connotation because of the word war. So we used to tell people, well, let's not call it a bidding war. We'll call it a a multiple offer situation, you know, to kind of soften it down.
0: But now
1: practically every home, certainly not everyone, uh, but practically every home, it is so brutal out there with multiple, multiple, multiple offers. Yeah. This multiple bidding situation phrase has gone out the window because it truly is a war. And, um, If anybody's really looking to buy in today's market, they either have to be ready to go into battle with war or pretty much stay out of the market. And we've had some clients that have said, you know, we just don't wanna get into a bidding war situation and if there's another offer on it, we don't even wanna see the house. And all I can tell people is, with the market that we're in right now, if that's where you are in your life, you're just gonna have to sit back and wait. How long? nobody knows. Nobody knows. It could be two months, it could be two years. Nobody really knows. The challenge that we have right now um, over and definitely all over Westchester County, Putnam, Dutchess, um, you know, Bronx, you know, Rockland, you know, anywhere around the whole Westchester area, there's a massive shortage. How's that for a, a oxymoron? Massive shortage. Massive, massive shortage, shortage of inventory inventory and, um, and there are just a lot of buyers out there. So to overly, uh, uh, simplistically stated it's this, there used to be a lot of stores that sold pineapples. And right now we're down to one store that sells pineapples and they get 10 pineapples a day. That's it. But right now there's about 15 to 20 buyers for pineapples every day. So one day the shop owner may say, you know what? I'll sell that pineapple for a dollar because I think, you know, that's fine. It costs me 50 cents, 50 cent profits. Fine. I'll sell it for a dollar. And they open up the door and they're sold out in about four minutes. So when the store owner gets pineapples the next day, do you really think they're going to keep it at priced at a dollar? No. Right. Because there's still only one store selling. You know, it only gets 10 a day and there's still 19, 20, 21 buyers out there. And so the next day, puts it out for a buck and a quarter, sells them out in four minutes. What do you think is happening the next day? And then the next day. And then the next day. So there until there are more stores selling pineapples or the pineapple allocation gets a lot bigger, what do you think is going to keep happening with the price of pineapples as long as there's more people who want to buy pineapples than there are pineapples?
0: Um, well, first th- off, I love your analogies. They are absolutely the best. And of course. <laughs> If I want my pineapple, I will, I would hope, outbid the other person or I'll pay premium right. to get my pineapple.
1: <laughs> right. So at this point in time, so if you're looking for a house, you meet, you must want to have to have a pineapple. And if you decide that you can live without a pineapple for six months, a year or two years, that's perfectly fine. Yes. I just don't know how much that pineapple will cost in two years. So right. if you want to wait two years to buy it, the question is instead of a dollar for cost you two dollars today if this market keeps going up and up and up and then starts to wane a little bit so there's less pineapple, less people buying homes, the question is, is the base price of that pineapple five bucks? So do you wanna go into the war now and see if you can get it for two bucks? Or do you wanna wait, 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 and then it'll finally wane, but the base price is five bucks. What do you wanna do? And that's really the conversations that we're having with a lot of buyers now. What it comes with, is this the right time for you to purchase? And the reason why we tell people yes is one of the big things that we still have no handle on ever is what's going to happen with interest rates right now right now they are so incredibly low i've been doing this for practically 30 years now and it's amazing because i'm only 32 years old now i've been doing this for uh, 30 years now i've never seen interest rates this low for this long right so eventually they're going to start to creep up. I don't know when.
0: How long have? Because you, you are correct, lowest ever, right? A lot of people are refinancing now. Oh, I yeah. mean, this is why there's no barely the inventory of housing because oh, the yeah. interest rates are unbelievable. How long has it, have the interest rates been this low? It's been like how, like a few months oh, it's
1: over ten years. I, I, without me really looking it up, I'd say somewhere between ten and fifteen years. I mean, that's how low. That's yeah. how long they've been. And low really is even 5 or 6% is low. We're under 3% now. Which is unbelievable. It's, and what a lot of people forget is not only, so let's say if it's 2.8%, it's 2.8% tax deductible. Right. So maybe it's costing you 1.8, 1.92% at the most to finance a house. So as bad as the economy is for some people, um, it's pretty good for a whole bunch of others. And with rates being so low, uh, and the banks are still pretty good at giving mortgages. I mean, they're going to torture you during the process, but denials Mm -hmm. are still pretty rare. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just a lot of buyers out there. And unfortunately, there are many, 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 many more buyers than there are Homes. homes. Now, homes could be condos, co-ops, multifamily homes, single-family homes, you name it, define home any way you want, there's a shortage. It's
0: shortage, right, which is which is the biggest challenge of it, of it all, right? Correct. So,
1: so, we're actually encouraging people, you know, if you're ready to buy, this is what you're in, get into it now, because we'd rather you, and I already used the tortured word once, we'd rather torture you now, For you to pay ten or twenty grand more for a house now than you wanted to pay, then wait six months and find out that you have to pay sixty or seventy thousand dollars more for the same house. Right. Or if that sixty or seventy thousand dollars is not in your affordability index, you're now going to get less house for the same money six months from now. So the question is, can we push someone to pay ten or twenty grand more now? And I'll tell people how those numbers work in a minute, versus pay 30, 40, or 50, or 60 grand more, possibly in three to six months. So if I'm going to really counsel a buyer, I'd rather encourage him to pay 10 or 20 grand more now than 40 or 60 grand later. Which would you rather pay, 10 or 20 now or 40 or 60? Right. The only thing I can't help is- Just
0: because a lot of people are- i would assume would do you have a lot of people like i'll just wait we'll just happen
1: and i will tell you and this this i will wait started prior to COVID. really started kind of the uh, november december of 19. i had a whole bunch of people that said i'd wait um i even had some people said that they'd wait and their credit was kind of borderline and the cash was kind of borderline they can't buy they physically financially cannot buy, and they're still fully employed but based on their income their debt their credit scores they are not in the market anymore, right? Because whatever they could buy for three hundred is probably priced somewhere between three seventy five and four hundred now. So they literally they're out of the market until this market really flip flops, and no one is seeing that happen anytime soon. But on the other hand, no one can tell you when.
0: Right, and that's the I mean for everybody. That's the hardest part. That's correct. So, um, so the,
1: the trick yeah. to a bidding war yes. is obviously, you know, understanding how things work financially is really the key to winning a bidding war. And winning a bidding war is not necessarily, you know, spending the most. So there are things called terms. So the question is, are you a 5% down buyer or are you a 30% down buyer? And even though I don't think we've had a denial from anybody putting 5% down, I still think it's a very safe mortgage and we're pretty good at getting people to sellers to take those buyers. Perceptually, a 30% down buyer is supposed to be a stronger buyer, less risk than a 5% down buyer. Or if you're all cash. Or if you're all cash and you have extra cash because sellers are worried about appraisals. So what about if the house doesn't appraise? So there's a lot of things that come into market. We have a lot of tricks for when houses don't appraise, how to still get the deal done. But one of the things that I really want to bring up now to have people really understand is, what does 5, 10, 15, or 20,000 dollars really mean on the price of a house? Because if I go to a buyer and say, "Look, in order to get this house, you've got to come up 10 grand. Now, if I tell someone they have to come up 10 grand, they'll look at me and go, yeah, you paid the 10 grand. Cause 10 grand is $10,000, right? 10, right? But $10,000 to someone who's financing property, it's really not $10,000. So I'll give you an example. If someone's putting, let's say 10% down and doing 90% financing, if one has to come up $10,000 in price, that actually means you're only coming up $1,000 in cash that they would need to lay out to buy the house because the other $9,000 is financed. So if they need to finance the house, finance that $9,000, financing $9,000 and I'm just going to pick 2.75% interest rate. And even if it's a little higher, it's not that much of a difference. But if you're going to finance that $9,000, it's $37 a month. Ready? Tax deductible. Do you know what that really is? It's $1.23 a day. Tax deductible. Which is Now, I have people coming into my office when we had people coming into the office with a cup of Starbucks. Now, we're Starbucks people. We love Starbucks. We pay Starbucks prices for the Starbucks. (laughs) We have a very big appreciation for Starbucks. So Starbucks Corporation, don't hammer me. Mm -hmm. I love you guys. But I know what a Starbucks costs. And the interesting thing about that $4.87 cup of Starbucks is that it goes in your body one way and it's out of your body in about an hour. (laughs) <laughs> right yeah but for a dollar 23 a day tax deductible you could be in the house you want by paying $10,000 more to get that house yeah and what buyers and sellers don't understand is $10,000 in difference to a price to a seller is is probably about ninety four ninety five hundred dollars after seller expenses so ten grand to a seller it's practically 10 grand of cash in their pocket to a seller. That's why that 10 grand is so important to a seller. But $10,000 to a buyer who's financing. And again, if it's 10%, it's a thousand. If you're putting 20% down, it's 2000. If you're putting 5% down, it's only $500 more in cash. Right. The rest is financed at a dollar something a day. Tax? deductible
0: okay this is literally like how you explained it's perfect mark so i think the audience is going to love this um because it's something like i never knew about Mm -hmm. um i didn't know what the process was in the sense of when you really break it down it's it's very very reasonable it's very doable it's just i think people just have to think differently about it and they also need to be working with reliable and educated real agents, right? That that's understand right. how this works, you know? So kudos to you. Good.
1: Thank you. And there are a lot of agents that actually don't, don't really understand this, or they'll just say, well, call your lender and find out what the price differential is. And that's fine. That's great for the lenders to be able to do. Yeah. The challenge is you can't necessarily get to your lender in 15 minutes. Do you have any idea how busy these lenders are? Oh, I, Yes, I do. It's out of control. They are nonstop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you're in the middle of a bidding war, you need some information or it's three o'clock in the afternoon and now bids are due by five o'clock at night and you need two hours to get a hold of your lender to find out what the price differential may be in your loan, you may lose if your real estate agent doesn't know how to do this. At our agency, we actually have a, um, a form and a worksheet already created. We punch in some numbers. We punch in three, four, five numbers. And we have the information. I'm not going to tell you it's exact because that's what the lenders give you is the exact. it's, it's really pretty freaking close.
0: Yeah, right, right. Um, what else can you share with us specifically on this topic?
1: So again, when it comes to bidding wars, uh, one of the biggest concerns, again, that a seller would have is the appraisal value. So what happens is, is that when, when you are buying houses, when the market's starting to go up, The biggest challenge with this industry is the house has to be appraised when you're getting financing and appraisers are only allowed to go using past sales and so when the market's going up obviously the market's going up faster than the past sales are being recorded and here's a really big challenge that people don't really understand if a property closed yesterday so it's showing up as a sale yesterday people say, wow, that's a really great comparable. That comparable is only one day old. And the answer is, nay, nay, that is incorrect. Because if something closed yesterday, I call this real estate pregnancy. And what I mean by real estate pregnancy is this, when was that price really established that actually closed Mm -hmm. yesterday? And if someone was getting financing, there's a very good chance that that price was established 45, 60, 75, 90 days ago during the negotiation. So if we got an accepted offer 90 days ago, or let's even take it today, if I get an accepted offer price today, by the time we do inspections, get the inspection report, negotiate after inspections, do the purchase memo, send it to the attorneys, the seller's attorney sends the contract to the buyer's attorney, They go back and forth a little bit. And believe me, that doesn't happen in one day Mm because attorneys are busy. And then you get executed contracts. And then the mortgage process starts. And that could be 45, 60, 75 days. Right. The price that actually closed yesterday was a market price that was established 60 to 90 days ago. So appraisers have to take today's negotiation which is a contract they may not even see for two or three weeks by the time it gets to the mortgage person to order the appraisal. And the best data they have is at least a market that was established 90 days ago. And this is something that people don't really understand of why there's such a gap in the market. It's very different than the stock market. If you want to know what IBM stock sold for yesterday, Go look online. I, I, listen, I'm an old timer, so I say go look in the Wall Street Journal. But go online, and you can see what the stock sold for yesterday. But anything that went into contract for yesterday, no one will know what that is. Right. For one to two months. But that market price was actually established two to three weeks earlier. Do the math. So appraisals are a real challenge because appraisers, in order to praise something that they find as a value today, is only looking at data that minimally is 60 to 90 days old. It could be 120, 150, 180 days old. It's a real challenge in our market. So people have to be prepared that if something doesn't appraise, what's going to happen? And the buyers can't just automatically say, well, then the sellers will have to come down. Because the answer is, no, they won't. They'll let the deal die. They'll put the house back on the market. They'll probably even get more money. Right. So there's a lot of the tricks of the trades that we really don't have time for today, but a lot of the tricks of trades that we can do to kind of offset that in a negotiation with terms. But that's why you really need an agent that really knows what they're doing. Absolutely.
0: It, and there's so many moving parts. I don't think people realize as well. It's very, it ep- is
1: war. And I'm telling you, <laughs> you're only Absolutely. as good as your general. And, and, you know, people say, look, we're all licensed. You know, we all have the same license Are any real estate agents, the same and we have a question that we ask all buyers and sellers do you think you're going to buy or sell your home for the exact same price no matter which agent you select i mean are we truly all the same and you know if there's ten thousand agents out there really we're all the same no one could do it better than anybody else and you're hiring a professional negotiator do you but re- the interesting thing is the item that we get that we earn our commission for the least are things that people think we earn our commission for the most. You know what that is? What is it? Letting people through the front door. Because we let people through the front door, well, I guess that agent earned that commission. If they do the deal, they get the commission because they're the ones that let us through the front door. And to be honest with you, it's probably the least important thing that we do. The least important thing that we do. The most important thing that we do is getting people ready for the market. And it's our counsel, 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 counsel. Do you know what that sounds like? An attorney. Yes. What does the attorney do for the transaction? They don't show you the house. They don't get you the mortgage. All they do, it's the counsel they provide to protect you for the transaction. That's what they get paid for. Guess how we really earn our commission? Yeah, the same thing, just a non-legal were more transaction. Attorneys it's are the next But letting you through the front door, least important thing we do.
0: Wow. No, I I do believe that. The work that goes into each layer of what you guys do, each variable, each negotiation conversation you have to have, I can only imagine, you know. Yeah. So as as People say if it was so, e- if it was just so easy, everybody would be doing this, right? But you know, yeah. and it's
1: funny that you say that because we feel that almost everybody and their mother is doing it because there's, there's about ten thousand agents, you know, just so in our easy. area that are doing real estate. The interesting thing is, um, I don't know if it's less than five percent. I'll say less than seven percent, but I think it's around five or six percent. Only five or six percent of the ten thousand agents are doing at least one transaction a month. Oh. Wow. That means everybody else is doing less. And if anybody wants to know what 5% of 10,000 is, that's about 500-ish agents. Yeah, So there's only about 500-ish agents doing one transaction a month, which means everybody else is doing so much less. Right. That's
0: interesting. Mark, you are a wealth of knowledge. (laughs) That's why we're here, right? (laughs) <laughs> this is amazing um I think this is this really was insightful today I very much appreciate everything that you've shared today with um, with everyone and anything to kind of finish up our little combo on any sure. other tips of the
1: trade so I'll tell you with the bidding war this is really pretty much the tip of the iceberg okay um, all I can tell you is, is if you really want to go into any offer the first thing a a consumer needs to be or buyer needs to be is Uh, pre-approved. You can get get your lender through your realtor or your attorney if you you wish, if they have some recommended people. But there are so many times that we have people that call us that want to see houses. They haven't even been pre-approved yet. Well, how can we show you a house if you haven't been pre-approved? Because the lenders are still crazy and they have a lot of you know, yays and nays and things you're allowed to do and not do based on your debt and your income. And for example, if you're a 1099 income, they look at your income very differently than if you're W-2.
0: Right. If you
1: have a lot of investment income, they don't look at your investment income dollar to dollar like they look at W-2. If you have overtime, and we have a lot of, for example, police officers and, and, and teachers who are making a lot of overtime banks do not take that overtime income the same as they take straight pay income. Okay. They don't look at it the same way. So if you're coming in to buy a house because you think you make X and so you go on the internet and think you can buy Y, my answer to you is bam! you're probably wrong. And also based on interest rates since they're so low, sometimes you can actually afford more than you thought. But other times you may not be able to get as much as you thought because of how the banks work. So the first thing you must do is get pre-approved. Actually, you know what? The first thing you must do is call Mark side and Real Estate. Then the second, second thing, thing is, we'll help you get pre-approved. <laughs> then the third thing is, then we'll show you some houses.
0: That's, I love it. Simple. Call you first, pre-approval makes sense because once you start looking at houses, you're going to want to start to buy them, right? Well, because okay. if you
1: could... 'Cause the challenge is if you find something you like and you want to. Oh, you put gotta an put it you gotta put an offer in right away. Yeah. And if you, and and guess what agents will not take if you don't have a pre-approval. They won't even take your offer. Oh, of course. No pre-approval, no proof of funds, no offer.
0: No offer. Right. Right. Thank you. So what is so we get to look forward to the next podcast on what is a dual agency. So, that's going to be coming soon. So, to your audience, oh, I love Agency Long. I love it. I know. I can't wait. So, that will be in uh, March. Great. So exciting. Um, but I thank you for your time today.
1: It was it's, so it's insightful. Always my pleasure. Always and we together. should do five of these a day. I would do five of these a day. <laughs> if we could just have all day to talk,
0: it would be literally like the best job ever. <laughs>
1: well, all right.
0: Thank you. So thank much. you.